0: i've got a nerd crush oh god do you know what the next line is to that song uh i do not Uh, do you listen to country music i do not do you have any nerd crushes
1: uh i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) man man we don't talk for two months and you're a country music sensation right catering to only the nerd crowd
0: it's a it's a niche market niche market (laughs) so how you been it's been since may and uh it it felt like it had been two weeks and i looked and it was may 18th and today is (laughs) july 12th yeah i i
1: looked over and sean had just his physical form had disappeared and he was just ethereal just what he was just one with the rails and Mm. and then and then i reached back out yeah i don't know
0: rails five is even out this is how long it's been
1: (laughs) summer 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 hit us like a bag of beach balls or something i don't know
0: okay so let's organize ourselves uh yeah
1: could you remind me how this works yeah am i supposed Uh, to tell
0: jokes (laughs) that's the idea uh (laughs) and uh well this is no joke rails five is out that's that's accurate uh yeah Kind of, a, you know, I don't even know that I have much to say about it. I have a, a project right now that's sort of right in the middle of development. Um, it'll be live in, ooh, I don't know, about five weeks from now. And we use Rails 5. We knew that Rails was about to come out. So it was, I think, a release candidate 2 at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we decided that we'd go with Rails 5 for that project. And, like, the the, the good news is, is that it was uh, almost a complete non-event. Um, you know really didn't it didn't change much i mean you know we use the we generated that application with the like dash dash api flag which uh, has gotten a decent amount of uh, attention i think mostly just because it, it it shows at least a glimmer of uh of I hope's not the right word but an indication <laughs> indication that there's some acknowledgement that that's how a pretty large percentage of rails users use rails now. Yeah. Um, but I mean the what it gets you isn't that much. I mean you can just you know you could easily kind of replicate it through I don't know maybe 90 minutes of work or something. Um, and the rest of it is pretty it's a—it's pretty much a non-event. I'm not using Action Cable, which is, I think, maybe the number one uh, headline feature. I'm not opposed to it either, I suppose, but it, it doesn't exactly fit with the way that the uh, the application is built, so I don't think that we would use it. Uh, and other than that, it—you um, know—had to update a handful of gems that uh, t- you know t- to be Rails five uh, friendly, which wasn't a huge deal either. So, I don't know. I mean, is that is that good news or bad news that it was a, a, a total non, a non-story? non
1: I vote good news. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to, like, almost every major bump, like, since, right, three and four, you know, like, you you planned, like, weeks, oh, at least on a time. big application, you know, you were like, oh, God, I got to, all right, asset pipelines here, folks, strap in, you know, uh, and so I, I think it's good. I mean, None of the features that really got released in Rails 5 tickle me or, you know, are going to make me sort of rush to create a new app or something. But I think that they're just trying to, um, you know, acknowledge how these things are being used a bit more and make it a little bit easier to get in and get going and, you know, use WebSockets or do the API thing or fix a couple of weird, um, you know, issues with uh, getting at data and just like little things, you know, um, little sort of uh onboarding improvements is how i describe it i don't want to yeah. say little i for you know I, it could have been a shit ton of work but um you know improvements
0: yeah yeah i think that as far as rails go goes i am interested in stability over all else yeah because i think the majority of the things that i get concerned about about sort of rails as the platform for um the future are sort of inherent limitations of ruby not rails and, you know, so it would like, do I think that I would probably use something else possibly for certain classes of apps sometime during the next 12 to 24 months? I think so. But I don't think for most apps that's true. And as it relates to most apps, I, I think that, uh, you know, Rails staying solid and uh, keeping componentized and being especially good to... To sort of handle the the api uh side which is how you know how i mostly use it um as long as it's focused on that i think that's that's pretty much what i'd like
1: yeah no i agree
0: completely which i sort of i, I get how that can be a little bit stressful for some people right because it does take away a little bit of the excitement or maybe a lot of the excitement um and i think acknowledging even that ruby may have its limitations that uh for some how dare are you yeah, I know. It does feel like a, how, how dare you? Dare you? Do you, do you feel that way?
1: What that Ruby has uh, limitations?
0: Yeah, well, well, that the limitations <laughs> are. I mean, obviously, it has limitations, but that they are uh, notable. Yeah, but I think
1: I think I think what people are beginning to acknowledge more is that you the trade-off is explicit now. Do you know what I mean? Like the more the more there are other languages that can do like performant uh, concurrent but with some kind of uh, happy vibe that Ruby always gave off mm-hmm. like I think people are just going okay you know what I guess we don't need to fake it anymore sure Ruby has these limitations if you want to go build something dot 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 you can go use Elm or elixir or like whatever you know um, but like it's it's I, I think that it's just the community as a whole just maturing because I think I've you know I mean, back when we, when I first, I guess, got going with Ruby, you know, it was, uh, you know, I guess JRuby was supposed to solve my problems, you know, and then that didn't really pan out the way that we had hoped. And and so now it's just like, yeah, for sure, Ruby solves some problems, uh, or Ruby is the solution for some problems, you know, Um, where the problems might be, you know, speed of development or just happiness or, um, you know... Blah blah, the Metaprogramming, programming, dynamic stuff. Then great, but uh, for other things, sure, go go use something else. No one's gonna no one's gonna
0: bad an eye anymore. What's the epilogue on J Ruby? Do you know? I do not know because you know until you said that I hadn't thought about it for a while, and I do remember. I don't know what year this would be. Maybe five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Feeling that way, feeling yep. like, oh man, I think J Ruby may be the answer because. Yep. I mean, you really do get significant benefits and, you know, without any obvious costs. And I don't know, I I think that it sort of fell out of favor for me personally, maybe about a year after that, when I had a production, I had a single production app ever on JRuby and the headaches that I had to deal with, um, which admittedly were only for, you know, 1% of the application were significant. And uh, I, I decided that, you know, sort of like if, uh, if you had 99% accuracy in, in transli- or like the um, dictation software, that it would seem really terrible, even though it's mostly right. I kind of felt like JRuby was like the dict- dictation software sort of idea that it was almost right. But man, that little bit caused really disproportionate problems. And I abandoned it and then never really thought about it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely still around. I, I know I have some sure? co- colleagues that, you know, s- uh, speak about it. But um, but no, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's m- my impression, which could be totally wrong. So send me the hate tweets. But like, my impression is that it's like, oh, are you stuck in a JVM-based environment? Great, you have a solution now. And not like, you know, everyone all hail the concurrency sol-
0: solver of Ruby right. now in Java. I mean, it's interesting going back to what you said before, though, about how the fact that there are languages that address some of the sort of fundamental limitations of Ruby, that they exist and have adopted some of Ruby's interest in programmer happiness and sort of elegant syntax and whatnot. Um, I don't know what that means to kind of the, the mental health and, and, and self-identity of the Ruby community. Cause like in some ways it's good because you like you said, you can kind of let down the guard and say, okay, fine. Like I, I don't have to pretend that uh, Ruby's things that it's not because the things that I like about Ruby, you know, are now available elsewhere, but that also opens the door to really starting to, to wonder about the value proposition of Ruby. Um, and, and you know, you use uh, the, Oh God, what have you done? <laughs> we well, use the word maturity and I think that that, uh, i I think uh i think it's difficult to be in the ruby community right now and not be mature and get your you know keep your head on straight because if you you know if you're not mature i think you're gonna have trouble with sort of your emotional and skill level tie to ruby and sort of the facts on the ground which are that it's its core value proposition is getting attacked by uh, uh languages that don't have the same limitations yeah um yeah, which no, is, I, which is good. I mean, you know, hey, that's great. I, I, I think great for the world. But uh, you know, anything that sort of disrupts the the way in which uh, a programmer or a community of programmers sort of see themselves and see what their value is that that, that clearly is a thing.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, and I guess like my the thing that I'm sort of waiting on at this point is to see what language or languages like really take hold of the zeitgeist because i'm i'm sort of feeling like that just won't happen anymore you know what i mean like there's just not gonna be an exodus from one to another it's just gonna be a slow realization for some people who use ruby every day that ruby isn't the best thing for their problem or for them personally and they go over to one of you know six languages that are of the you know functional-ish uh you know developer friendly languages um, which seems like what's happening right now um but i i think i i personally just have had some hesitance in like wanting to jump ship not because i think ruby is so great and oh my god i couldn't do anything without it but just that i'm not willing to bet on
0: another horse quite yet um so i was about to agree but then I think that there's another uh, there's another point of view, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out which side I come down on, which is that the the zeitgeist has spoken in its JavaScript. Yeah. I, I think that that's actually a pretty, <laughs> cl- I, that'd be pretty easy to make that argument. Yeah, I don't think I would disagree with you. I just don't want it to be that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, I mean, although that is, it's interesting in that the smelliness, it, it's less smelly now i think you know especially as you know you go to more frequent releases of the language and those releases have some features that are you know pretty nice so es 2015 has some features that are pretty nice i think that if javascript had uh a um you know core library you know sort of its core features were better um, and you didn't need to really augment it with a million things in order to get sort of on par with a number of other languages i think I think it'd be a lot easier to stomach but but I mean whether whether or not either of us would like that, I think it's it's pretty clearly happened, yeah, right? in other words, JavaScript is massively more popular now than Ruby ever was. that's easy to say,
1: yeah, I think but, so, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm still figuring out what I think about that I mean, I think that my main tie to Ruby right now is that I'm good at it um you know, I don't. I don't think uh, like I don't think that I get a lot more pleasure out of writing Ruby than I do JavaScript at this point. I think that they're sort of equivalent. Maybe a little bit more pleasure. I think I'm better at testing in Ruby, and I, you know, my uh, my just overall competence is higher. So that that maybe leads to more fun moments. But it's not a massive difference anymore for me in terms of like, do I, if I worked all day in JavaScript and and then uh, uh, inventoried at the end of the day, how I felt, you know call it the programmer happiness quotient, so to speak, and then did the same in Ruby. I think, I don't know, I think other factors in my life would drive my happiness up and down a lot more than whether it was JavaScript or Ruby that day. Uh, That's fair. Well, anyway, so Rails 5 is out and that's our review.
1: Go, go buy it now. Yeah, yeah, solid it
0: two thumbs sideways. It is... Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I, I'm giving it at least one thumb up given that uh, it is not really a big deal top grade 2. And I think that that was, for me, the number one most important thing.
1: I think I'm just going to um, give it like jazz hands. <laughs> like it looks cool, but I have no commitment to it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, our joke quotient in our opening segment was very low oh no <laughs> exceedingly low is that me is this it is this the end <laughs> i don't know that's 14 minutes in and aside from a uh i get a girl crush uh, parody opening i think that that was it Oh no. <laughs> so how's your uh well, let's switch topics how is your uh big project coming oh man it's done no i'm just kidding it's
1: not, not at <laughs> things all. that have never been said <laughs> uh it's going well um yeah so if you recall back to the early days of may um we are basically building an internal interface uh, for github or at least attempting to and and uh it's been going pretty well so far um We're starting to use it on some very unimportant parts of the application, um, which is pretty cool. Um, You should
0: give the one minute overview of it.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. So we're basically attempting to implement um, uh, a single interface that the application engineers at GitHub will use to access and change data. So in most Rails applications, right, that is gonna be active record, essentially. Um, you use that through the controllers. Uh, instead, given GitHub's complexity and there's some services and whatever, we're basically trying to put a um, an interface, a querying language in front of that, that where uh we can control all of um the data access the data changes etc uh and to avoid things like m plus ones bad joins bad updates too many updates all that sorts of stuff that sort of creeps into your uh application over time uh and so i just giant caveat that i don't think this is something that everyone should do um or like this is the future of web development or anything like that but i think it's going to work really well for us um and the interface we're using is graphql uh GraphQL is a querying language where you specify um, you you specify the just the data you would like basically, and then in your application uh, you parse that and you resolve from the requested data to uh, basically a JSON uh, blob. Uh, And uh, the actual implementation of how you do that is up to us, but the query parsing and sort of schema definition, the description of what data you're going to expose, uh, is pretty standardized uh, via GraphQL, which is a Facebook open source uh, project. Uh, Facebook uses GraphQL for all of their mobile applications and a bunch of other stuff uh, on their side, but we're, we're, we're using it now too. All right, give me two highlights
0: and two lowlights of the
1: project so far. Um, it's pretty cool in terms of, like, just getting the data that you need sounds like such a simple thing, but it's it's so cool <laughs> to be, be able to just say, like, you know, I want the login. And so anyone who's ever used MySQL is currently rolling their eyes because it's like, yeah, sure, you know, just don't put a star in there and you'll get, you know, just what you need, you idiot. I think that um, the
0: eye rolls are sort of... Warranted there? Oh no, 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 for sure. But like, <laughs>
1: uh, but in terms of like, in comparison to say our current REST API rate, right, um, you know, we're returning a plethora of data to you that is sometimes extremely expensive to actually calculate, and odds are you're not using any of it. Um, and so it's been pretty neat to start to you know build uh, the. Um, you know, build a way just to allow um, currently our people to access just the data that they need. Um, we've started building a sort of. Um, Client uh, library to consume this, so you could basically like in partials in views, like you can define the data dependency that that view has. So like basically, you can say this: in order for me to render this partial, this GraphQL fragment, this like uh, kind of subquery would would need to be run. Uh, and then you can go when you go to render the view, you can basically build a query, build uh, an abstract syntax tree to run against GraphQL. So you can have all the data you need, um, like right where you can define the data that you need right where you go to actually render it. Um, so that's been pretty cool to sort of experiment with that. Um, uh, in, ter- in terms of downsides, uh, I mean, the big problem that I think the project uh, has had up to this point is just getting enough people to use it that we can sort of learn from it, but not too many people to use it that it makes change difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we could make it perfect or in giant air quotes and, and hold off, but I've always really hated that. Uh, and so my sort of, um, bias is always towards getting it in people's hands early um you get feedback uh, as long as you sort of scope the feedback that you're looking for and protect yourself and or the system if necessary from you know bad things but at least that way you're getting the da- you know you're getting actual data from actual usage and you can make changes as you go and so um it's been a little bit painful but also great to be able to sort of get people to start using it uh, even though it's only you know two months in or a, a little more than that now um So, I mean, that's been pretty good. I think that the um, other sort of interesting downside or upside, depending on how you think about it, is GraphQL is super new, right? Um, There's not a ton of documentation around, uh, or rather writings and videos around the sort of complex parts of running something like this at scale. Um, Most of the conversations thus far are like, GraphQL is going to solve all your problems. Now, let me show you how to get at Star Wars ships in the Star Wars API. It's right. like, okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Now I need to get at a hundred thousand repository records. Now, how's this going to scale? Uh, and so a lot of that's been learning on our own and starting to work with other people, um, that are using GraphQL in, in, at scale. But, um, but it's been, it's been a little bit, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit tricky because in most, most technology, at least in my sort of experience, it's been like okay, yep, you know what, everyone's using MySQL, GitHub's also using MySQL, la di da You know, the problems have generally been solved. But I think for me, at least in my career, this is kind of one of the few times where it's actually new. It kind of reminds me of, like, early Rails days where you're like, huh, I guess there isn't a blog post for this or a Stack Overflow or some really nice documentation describing the upsides and downsides. It's, this, is uh, the, this is before there's a Rails cast on GraphQL. Right 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 at least at least talking about things that aren't like you know wow action cable's cool you can send data down right away it's the conversation of like so you have 10 million concurrent connections like how do you you know like that it's we're, we're, uh, we're trying to bring the conversation to that second part to show that you know sure facebook has proven this worked at least in some degree um but
0: like what what is it going to be like when the rest of us try to use it uh at now have you found many areas in the spec i guess you call it in the spec that feel off when you try to use it at scale or is it just a comprehension issue that like once you get it it's actually designed pretty well so far but getting it takes a lot of discovery
1: um yeah I, i would say that generally speaking it's designed really well i think that there's some things like for example um um failing well is kind of difficult in in GraphQL. There isn't really a really good way to... Uh, fail partially in a response, right? So you have this like big query and then maybe there's a service that's just not available like halfway through it. Um, because GraphQL is typed and cares about nullable and non-nullable fields, um, if, if a non-nullable field can't receive data, then a, a potentially a large portion of your query, if not the entire query basically gets killed. Like the whole, all the data won't be returned because it needs to follow the constraints of your schema, which says, you know, this is gonna be a string and it's non-nullable so it's always going to be there. Um and so that can be a little bit tricky when you have complex services underneath where, you know, some so need to be able to fail without, you know, too much trouble and to the end user. Um and so we've been trying to figure out the best way to implement that, which has led us to another kind of interesting problem that in the typed language or in, in the type system that exists in GraphQL there isn't really such a thing as a generic and so you can't be like I'm gonna return a response that could be this or could be that. You know, basically, it could be the item or could be right. the enum. You'd have to do like I'm gonna return a this field name response, and and that's not really great uh, ultimately. Um, so there's no notion
0: of like a maybe. Like a, you know,
1: yeah, not like really, you know, like there's kind of ways around that. They have like unions, which are kind of like polymorphic associations, sort of, um, and and other things that kind of get around it. But there's just little things where, like, okay, I'm going to build a complex thing or, or I'm trying to emit data from a complex system. It just kind of is a little bit tricky. So we've been trying to figure that out with, um, you know, reaching out to folks at Facebook and and other companies that are using this, but um, but there's nothing that makes me feel like systemically there's something rotten at the core. You know, like overall the schema is or I'm sorry, the spec is actually very thin. I've mentioned this before, uh, and so like it doesn't really bother me too much that it's that this isn't solved because there's also nothing really stopping us from solving that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of ways for us to
0: emit more data and everything else, but um. Uh, is the conventional wisdom about the, the point you made about like, what if some subsystems failing and that, you know, returns the null for something that can't be null in the in the schema is the answer to that, that, you know, well, you shouldn't be federating so much through one endpoint instead should should compose together what you need from the client side. And, you know, in other words, that's a that's a hint that maybe you've got too much wrapped up in this endpoint. Is that like the is that what people would say?
1: Um, I don't think so. The, the, the real issue there is basically like the data expectations that you have, right? So in, in, in a GraphQL schema, like I mentioned, you can say whether a field is nullable or non-nullable. And then um, when you get a non-nullable field that for whatever reason cannot be filled, um, GraphQL, um, the spec basically says you climb to the first nullable field that you have and then you nullify that. So if it's a nested schema, right? You deep down there's a non nullable field. Then you just climb up to the first nullable and you block it off, and you and you return null there. And then oh, I see it's up to us to go in like in an error block or in like an extension block or extension key. We can go, hey, this data wasn't available because the server was down or whatever. And then the client can decide how to act on that data. And so it's not, um, it's definitely not a like all or nothing. Like oh god, this one thing couldn't get run. Uh, no data. Uh, it's more just you being very careful about how you sort of frame your data requirements so you can, you know, basically climb and
0: stop instead. So it's like a, it's a schema design issue more so than a, a sort of fundamental.
1: Like, yeah, a schema issue. design and like best practice, right? Because like you do want to tell the client, at least in my opinion, you want to tell the client potentially like this is unavailable you know, um, the null could mean something or it could just be null. Um, and so, you know, it's like, what's the best way to let the client know? Should you let the client know? Should you always let the client know? Should, you know, kind of so on and so forth. I think that's one of the interesting sort of not schema specific or spec specific stuff that we're trying to figure out as we go.
0: Sounds like an interesting project. I mean, it sounds like the amount of things you've learned so far, just on the technical side related to this project, is, are not insignificant.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been uh, very interesting, and um, it definitely feels like there's something here. You know. Uh, it's 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 been sounds like a high school musical song i have to queue up the band in a second um but it's been it's been you know it, it, it's been like i said it's just been interesting you know normally it's like at least i, I feel like normally it's okay this the, this is the this is a solved problem right there's a pattern here just go implement it and your implementation can be clean or not clean or whatever like you're basically just doing your thing and your craft is what gets in the way um but this has been a little bit trickier or more complex than that because it's like, okay, here's kind of like an Ikea instruction manual, and we didn't buy any materials for you. And so just make you this. You used have those
0: funny-looking guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, the ones with, like, the first page is always, like, the phone and, like, angry squiggles yep.
0: over the guy's head. <laughs> Except no one answers when you call. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I relate to that guy sometimes. (laughs) Uh, So we're talking about learning. I should uh, tell you about Dev Bootcamp. If you're thinking about becoming a software developer, you should check out Dev Bootcamp. They're the original short-term immersive software development program that transforms those that are new to coding into job-ready, full-stack web developers. You can learn front and back-end web development, teamwork, and leadership skills in a rigorous and inclusive environment. Uh, Dev Bootcamp has several locations around the country, and they're accepting applications now. You can visit devbootcamp.com/ruby to learn more. Uh, there have been over two thousand graduates now to uh, from Dev Bootcamp. It's a nine-week remote part-time, and then nine weeks on uh, on-site full-time program with one week of career prep at the very end. Um, they've got all the details on their website. Uh, why don't you go check it out? Again, devbootcamp.com slash Ruby. You'll learn more about it. Thanks to Dev Bootcamp for sponsoring the show. So tell me about the management side of this project. Has, that been the, has this been like a, a technically challenge? I, I guess there's sort of three dimensions of possible challenge you've talked about. There's the, the technical side, there's the uh, collaboration with consumer side you know the kind mm-hmm. of the release mm-hmm. management collaboration uh, adoption etc and then there's the you're new to the management job on the team side of potential challenges um has that has that been an interesting process or or not so much
1: oh yeah i mean definitely it's been interesting um it's been uh it's been difficult in a way that i thoroughly enjoy you know um, but is also exhausting simultaneously. Uh,
0: what do you find most tiring about?
1: Um, I feel like it's my it's one of my jobs on the team to sort of make sure that um, folks are able to sort of use their, like superpower basically like they're like one special skill or whatever whatever makes them sort of you know have be a force multiplier on the team you know whether that's a personal thing or a technical thing and so a lot of my sort of time during the week is basically just spent in um you know chatting with the team members like talking about the work that's going on not really describing the what and the how as much as the like oh okay like why did you decide to go this way or um you know how are you feeling about the project how are you feeling about github all that sort of stuff is really great it's just it's so much more taxing than lines of code right that like have no emotions (laughs) uh and and i don't mean that like in a bad way or anything it's not like i don't I definitely don't want to describe my team as like, you know, being a uh, uh, troublesome or overly emotive or anything they're absolutely great. It's just when you've been um, you know, I I've managed before for sure uh, but not at GitHub and not for, you know, a couple of years since I've joined GitHub at least. And so it's getting back into that. It's just sort of a muscle that normally you can kind of turn on and off right. When you're uh, a contributor and you're being managed, you just go, you know, do your work. And then when your manager asks something or you do a one-on-one, you're like oh yeah let me describe to you what's sort of going on then you just go back to your code and you're like ah ci failed that sucks and you kind of go on your merry way right um but um i have a team of five and it's uh just it's just more um you know tricky human problems i think are the interesting problems to solve in tech it's it's what you know i feel like that's what uh That's what sort of can 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 make a a good team great uh or or not you know um and i i can be some tiny part of of that solution but it's it's just just different it's just tiring in a much different way than uh you know typing
0: and being like blah 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 test 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 (laughs) Uh, now you're just bragging we you said something in there that i think is uh is interesting which is this idea of you know what's someone's superpower and kind of leaning on that to get the most out of them i sometimes find that there's a little bit of tension in that point in that uh, in the short run that's almost always the best thing for the team is to do what you said Mm -hmm. in the medium term for the team members there be you know there comes a point at which um their short-term value is going to get in their way or get in Uh, the way of their own long-term or not even long-term medium-term development and i found that there's some tension about about managing that sort of uh seesawing between hey use the thing you're really good at and you know, take some time to stretch and, and develop new capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if it's all use the thing you're good at, I mean, think about you, like you would never become a manager. you know, you'd never become mm-hmm. a manager at GitHub. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd never learn the skills you're talking about right now. And in the short run, you'd probably, you know, you'd probably be more productive than you were in the first say three weeks of the new job, but in the medium term, you know, you're worse off and you know, the company's worse off. So it's an interesting, it's interesting balance.
1: Yeah. And I, I think for me, it's definitely very much non-technical superpowers. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's one thing to be like, wow, so-and-so is really great at um, looking at unmaintained code and realizing how it works and making the change. So when something's time sensitive, you can always go to so-and-so to do that. Like, that, that's true. A lot of people have that um, people can have that superpower, um, and and be valuable. But for me, it's, I feel like they're much more, um, like interpersonal or how you sort of view situations as like a superpower. Like for example, I have a, uh, coworker that I, I, really respect that, um, they don't, uh, they don't have any problem basically just at any point going like, nope, I don't understand that. Can you describe that oh, so you mean it's something like, okay, no, it's not like that. Like, to me, that's like, uh, that's something that can be really powerful on a project, right? Because it allows that person to sort of, you know, ask some inquisitive questions and make other people comfortable on the project to go, oh, wait, I'm gonna raise my hand, I don't understand this. And I don't look like a big idiot for asking that. Um, and, And so that like, sort of inquisitiveness to me is like, what makes that person special, you know, like, that's what they're like, that's what they can bring to a project so while they might be able to bring um some like sort of more um specific technical thing you know they're really good at xyz technique technically that that's all well and good but i've found more so that it's this sort of you know soft skill ugh, uh you know stuff that i think really uh, really makes the difference in saying okay person a is particularly good at you know working working with large groups or you know helping lead more junior people um or whatever and and trying to get them to do that but to your point i mean uh, we're definitely in the early sort of stage as a team where we're not necessarily we're still kind of just I think, finally, like, really gelling, you know? Um, And so now I think there's definitely going to have to be a shift towards, like, this isn't a skill, but are you interested in developing it, you know? Is this something you're interested in looking towards and then working that way instead of just always, you know, letting the inquisitive person ask questions and everyone else sort of sit back when everyone should probably take a little piece of that uh, along with them.
0: I wonder what the right cycle length is on that process. You know, like, what's the maximum average time one should go before they get to step out of their you know current sweet spot and and stretch their uh, stretch themselves a little bit Yeah, I do not know. I would think it's got to be not longer than 3
1: months. I was going to say 6 to 6 weeks to like yeah. 3 months, you know. I think so um, too in my experience it seems to be the 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 time when things sort of naturally like kind of ebb for a second and then you can kind of you know decide which direction you want to push back to
0: yeah i think that's right well are congratulations in order i can't tell it seems like maybe like provisional congratulations are in order you've shipped some things internally (laughs) yeah it's been a lot of fun it's not not an outright disaster
1: (laughs) yeah no it's definitely not a disaster and to be honest in terms of a, a lot of my time has been in sort of the planning and meta work around moving an organization like github to something like this and so really just like uh it's been much more so like you said when i first worked on this i was like just coding coding and coding and like suddenly i was like you know what this probably isn't actually helpful <laughs> not because i'm a bad coder but it's just not what i'm going to be able to help you know uh, i'm not going to be able to really help this along uh, in the long run by coding and so i had to step back and do project planning so shout out to the folks on uh, the interface team um they've been really killing it and so hopefully we can uh start to talk about it at conferences and do more stuff to to show off what we're up to uh very soon
0: I should tell you about Braintree. What do they do? Uh, they're code for easy online payments. If you're building a mobile app or you're, and you're searching for a simple payment solution, and in fact even if you're building a web app, uh, you can check out Braintree. Their V.0 SDK makes it easy to offer multiple payment types. You can start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, credit cards, and more, all with one integration. Um, one small snippet of code is what you're going to work on, and then you're all set. Um, simple integrations can take about 10 minutes, and they've got quick, uh, knowledgeable developer support available in addition to their uh, libraries and documentation that are all good that can help you get on your way quickly. All that plus you get your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. If you go to braintreepayments.com slash podcast again, braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast that'll get you your $50,000 in credit towards transactions and you'll be on your way so thanks to Braintree for sponsoring the show so I feel like uh, I feel like we had a it wasn't a preview but I could feel a while ago when we had what's your what's the name of your former colleague that we had on from libraries.io am i thinking
1: andrew nesbitt sorry (laughs) andrew yeah andrew t
0: bass andrew yeah 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 right so did you see what he released today i sure did uh we should talk about it because i think it's i think it's an interesting service that i think has legs and he was so kind as to come on the show and talk about libraries.io so and and he was the the pull request uh christmas pull request guy too right yep
1: yep what's the name of that uh twenty-four pull is it twenty-four yep. pull requests, I think.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about what he
1: released. Yeah, so uh dependencyci.com. Um if you've ever, this is going to sound like an ad read, but I assure
0: you it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not part of the Braintree ad. This is, this is done. Um, so, you know, I feel
1: like a, a, a lot of projects, right, once they reach some sort of scale, there's a couple of things that you start to deal with and worry about, right? Um, you're, you're dealing with projects that are no longer maintained, um, things that have been deprecated, i.e. don't use this anymore, um, things that have known security vulnerabilities, Once I feel like you hit a medium-sized business or um, like if you're freelancing or consulting, licensing issues get to be pretty big, um, at least in my experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so – most of the time like i remember in uh, i have a friend now and when i was in a startup and like you start to have talks right with people who want to acquire you and one of the things that usually comes out of the due diligence of that is like oh what software do you use and then you go to your gem file uh to start with and there's like 500 gems in there and they're like okay what are each of those gems licenses and you're like Oh, God, uh, what have I done here? And then you go through. So, like, I remember making, like, I don't know if I made it or someone else did. Like, there's a Google spreadsheet. Then you have to go one by one and you go, oh, God, this license, which has this dependency and has this sub-dependency, those two licenses can't work together. Like, one is going to gobble the other one, basically. And so dependency CI, its whole sort of shtick is it can look through your projects and your code and and really consider like, okay, are you relying on projects that um, are no longer being maintained? Um, you know, are deprecated? Do you have a project? Do you, did you just put a gem in that uses a license that is going to require you to? Um, you know. Uh, make it harder for you to ship like your software embedded or you know sort of blah 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 around um, a a bunch of things around licensing but if that's a concern for you I would definitely uh, take a look and it uses it's backed by the libraries.io project um, that Andrew also did so you can go in and sort of you know, he, he has a bunch of features in there that it looks like he wants to pull over like bus factor dependencies, which would be like a really interesting thing for your company. If you want to look at what gems you highly rely on, but maybe only have like one or two contributors to in the years that they've existed, uh, it might be an interesting way for you to go, oh, maybe we shouldn't, you know, use uh, chronic or something for time parsing because there's only five contributors uh, or maybe we should go and contribute back and acknowledge that you know, God forbid, this person dies or something like that, or decides you know, eff it, open source blows and, and leave. Uh, you know, you're not gonna sort of be up the creek.
0: I like I love how clear the value proposition is.
1: Yeah, I agree completely.
0: Like you couldn't, you almost couldn't find a service that 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 uh, has launched recently that didn't have. For which there was not already a popular competitor, and to my knowledge there isn't, that had such a fit with like 99% of commercial development. Mm -hmm. Really, Mm -hmm. really cool. I remember when we were off air after Andrew was on, we talked about a little bit about um, how we suspected that there may be a home run business underneath what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he didn't seem to think so at the time, if I recall correctly. Uh, Or maybe he was playing...
1: Playing coy,
0: yeah. Playing possum. <laughs> boy, <laughs> Who, <Adam? me? laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seemed like he didn't think so, but uh, but boy, what a uh, what a what a great value prop. So how does how does I guess I can't really ask you this. I was gonna say like when there's news like this that takes great advantage of the GitHub um data platform. I'm not sure what you'd call this. The GitHub in, uh, ecosystem of and in, in, in data. Like I could imagine it being kind of bittersweet if you're GitHub, you know. Like on the plus side, oh my God, what a you know what a great thing that's built on top, and on the minus side, oh man, you know, could this be something that GitHub could do? And I, I find that tension so interesting. Like I, like I saw GitHub just uh, added in the um, issue reordering and milestones, mm-hmm. which is like a shockingly big deal for how simple it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that seems to be sort of an acknowledgement that, okay, you know, maybe uh, even though you could build that on top with the API, maybe there's some value in keeping some of that value creation inside the application. Mm-hmm. Um, d- as a as a engineer or now manager at GitHub, are you sort of asked to think about those sorts of trades, um, you know, between sort of a community enablement and value capture? Or is that the sort of thing that, you know, I don't know, happens somewhere else or or it, you know it isn't something that that is really that worried about
1: um i mean i think it's something that is becoming more obvious as we as we grow you know so like for example with your issue reordering thing right I think I think the team that worked on that um, and I wasn't privy to the decision to build this or anything like that but I was so
0: unreasonably happy I was so unreasonably happy well
1: that's the thing right is like you know sure there's a bunch of really great integrators like Waffle and Zenboard and all kinds of other companies that uh, Trello right that basically sure they, they build boards but a big part of that is like look I can order my issues <laughs> uh and so you know enough people were it felt like wanting it and github was like oh god what are we gonna do you know we we are gonna go use pivotal or are we gonna go use trello or whatever that it just at some point i feel like the it makes sense okay you know what we should we should add this into our product and we should figure out the best way to do it so our customers can have this like base feature that they You know have been asking for or potentially don't know they even need right like a lot of people like to think of github as like oh it's all a bunch of professional developers who are really coding but that's really not the case right there's a it's a lot of people learning how to code people only coding a little bit people doing a tiny bit of open source like there's a large portion of the github um
0: a lot of designers a lot of project managers
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of other people using GitHub. It's not just the like sort of, you know, 2% of professional developers or whatever, you know, uh, number. Uh, And so I think for this, like for example, when like Dependency CI came out and Andrew uh, was kind enough to sort of reach out to me before uh, he launched it, you know, I'm stoked. I'm like... Awesome. You know what? If we haven't, if the product team hasn't uh, deemed this a priority for us yet, or we haven't been able to build it yet, or we haven't figured out the right way for us to execute this for all of GitHub and not just for people to like sort of add in, um, that's fine. Like, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Like when we added issue um, sorting, I don't think we killed the project management ecosystem in GitHub. You know, and even if uh, you know, even if we end up adding something like dependency CI, I don't think it's gonna kill dependency CI. I just don't think GitHub, the way that we have historically and and more recently been adding features, um, you know, it's it's generally not a this is like a very specific thing that you need and it's going to do everything you need it's like okay this is sort of the the blank canvas that has some knobs that you can turn but if you're looking for something very specific you can go integrate and so I, i'm always like, personally not really speaking for github just as like someone that works there i'm always excited when integrators add new stuff because i think it challenges the status quo of github the product i think that it shows me as like uh, someone who works on the platform like Oh man! If we could just give Andrew X Y Z, he could be able to do this really cool stuff that maybe we want to do, maybe we don't want to do, but he can't do at all because we just haven't given him access to the data that he needs. Um, and so, and so for me, I only I only look at it as plus. You know, I never get that vibe of like, um, oh god, this thing is gonna you know eat our lunch or whatever, or like oh they just launched this we should rush over and and launch something very similar i've never seen that reaction really like this morning in the in uh one of the slack rooms that you know sort of cares about integrations and stuff like that um it's like you know it's all like excitement because this is going to solve a problem for our customers and that's a good thing you know there's really no downside for these these tools to come out so at least again in my opinion uh so I'm I I love it I I love when new new interesting stuff comes out too um, that is very specific and isn't really like you know the fifteenth dot 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 yeah Trello you know
0: yeah well I was very excited to see it I thought that uh, yeah I have not used it yet I've got tons of projects both open source and not open source for which it would be great um, so I will between now and uh, two months from now when we record the next show I'll make sure to. <laughs> Make sure to uh, take a tour.
1: I would highly recommend it to give it a shot. It's dependencyci.com. Open source is free. If you only have personal accounts, it's $15 a month for unlimited everything, basically. Um, And if you have an uh, organization account, it's $50 a month. And to be honest, like if you're if you're using a if you have an organization account uh, just come over here buy this so that way you can get your licenses and check <laughs> uh before you know it's fifty dollars a month is a very small amount of money to pay to make sure that you're not screwed <laughs> uh so yeah i i i would i would highly recommend it um and in a sort of backdoor kind of way you're really supporting a really great uh open source project with uh libraries uh, yeah so
0: yeah so good job good job andrew good to see uh good to see something like that come out you know one last thing about that i i can't believe that he didn't name it dependency i by the way like you know like dependency with just an i at the end oh my
1: god i'm so happy he didn't
0: Uh, i kind of wish he did like i mean i think that i think i'll regret that comment in a month but uh but you think it'd be bad just because it'd be hard to you'd be like, Oh, it's dependency with ex- except an I at the end. Like that's the reason. Yeah. Or you think like how easy
1: see? is it for me to say dependency CI instead Not of saying easy. C- I think dependency I
0: or dependency with an I at the end. Oh God. Hashtag. Oh God. Hashtag back. Kyle. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Flicker, good with flicker for life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. We got five minutes left. We got five minutes left. Uh, you ready for the rest of the summer? Next week is uh,
1: Summit for GitHub.
0: Oh, in Colorado, right?
1: Yeah, we'll be taking over... Uh, I think it's called Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh,
0: you went there last year, didn't you?
1: Uh, we Last year, we were in San Diego. Oh, really? Yep, at the Coronado on the beach. It was pretty legit. And So now we're in the mountains, and I'm just going to drink all the water I can to hopefully not... <laughs> I don't know. You, should,
0: you should refrigerate yourself all the way from there back home, like a course can. You think? <laughs> yeah.
1: So it should be interesting. This is the this year we have. I think we're near 550 uh, employees, uh, and so not everyone will come. Just it's not like mandatory. It's just very highly recommended, and and life situation keeps people away sometimes. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be super curious to see. Uh, what it's like with that many people because it's basically just a giant gaggle of GitHubers at that point.
0: Oh, now I remember the San Diego trip last year. Uh oh, you had been working on the. Um, this is publicly, yeah, yeah. publicly available. The um, integrations directory. The integrations directory. Yep. It was like it was like came out last week this year or something. I think
1: it was uh, at summit last year. Was when we were like having a sort of casual conversation where it just immediately seemed so obvious that we needed to build it and mm-hmm. summit was where i kind of okay put my daigle flag in the ground and said this is happening get out of my way do you have a family flag No, oh, god i hope not
0: <laughs> a, a crest? It, would,
1: it would have a lot of <laughs> limbs or whatever <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should make that's a fun party like let's have a let's have a party at your house where we you know have a couple cocktails and then design your family crest oh god
1: <laughs> oh man i don't think i have enough money for therapy after that one
0: <laughs> now which which uh, strategy would you use would you go the route of like building a Uh, family crest that tried to incorporate you know as factually as possible the history of the Daigle clan or would you go resume style and just paint the pretty picture you wanted other people to see (laughs) I think I think I would go resume style it
1: would just be me standing on top of a rock clutching my wife and holding my baby and then a bunch of people below me
0: Uh, you do need therapy I see think.
1: that's what i'm saying good thing this podcast is back i need that sweet podcast
0: <laughs> money to pay for this oh yeah yeah i would like that though you know they have those painting classes this seems like a oh man yeah a design your family crust you know what w- there's got to be a local um yogurt shop that's going out of business this week i could rent out the store from <laughs> dude yogurt isn't going anywhere <laughs> i don't know man they are they get cycled through pretty quickly oh man well,
1: Sean, it has been an absolute pleasure to be back with you. It has been good. We will we will we will do this again soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we will do this again. Let's just leave it at again.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll just bring my equipment down and just plop it in the middle of Summit and just start recording while we're there. And see who see who walks over. That's the only really interesting thing about uh, working at GitHub is like we could basically have like the coolest one-day podcast of, like, five minutes with some of the biggest Ruby and Rails people. <laughs> if I just, like, sat down with a sign for a half hour and I said, Come come, give me two minutes, John Newmaker or Tenderlove. Or, oh, you if know. you had a sign, people would come over. I know. Maybe I should bring my stuff. Maybe I'll we'll do this. And then I mean, we'll just, just bring
0: your iPhone. It records. Oh, you.
1: that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll just bring my iPhone, record, and then I'll send you all the audio, and we'll see what we can get for next week's episode. Yeah. I mean, you were planning on bringing your iPhone, right? I mean, I don't know. It's you know, <laughs> you don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be distracted. i was going to bring a, a roll of quarters for the payphones. I think mm-hmm. it's like There's going one. off to summer camp as a kid.
0: Yeah. There's probably one one payphone left in Colorado.
1: So my mom used to tell me I would forget I would forget change rate when I would like go places during the summer, and so I would just like go and like call her collect every time, and she would be so mad at me because I'd be like, "Mom, I'm ready for you to pick me up." She'd be
0: like, "This cost me twenty dollars. <laughs> no money for gas left, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Looks like you're walking." I I think that we should. Uh on your family crest, we should have like a young, I don't know, 10-year-old boy uh, hitchhiking with a roll of quarters intact in his right (laughs) hand. That should be your family crest. Oh, man. (laughs) Memories. Uh, One of my uh, mother's favorite stories to tell is of uh, me calling uh, our next-door neighbor when I was three collect from Elmira, New York, on a trip. We were in the airport. (laughs) Yeah could go wrong mm-hmm. alright well I think that's it for this week uh, if you want to uh, chat with me online I'm barely known and I am K Daigle see ya